prayer, prayer can be one of the most destructive things you do. It can be one of the most self-deceiving ventures in which you engage. Prayer can cause you to think things you should never think. Prayer can send you down a path you should never travel. Yet in a recent Pew Forum study, 55% of Americans say they pray every single day. Another 10% pray at least weekly. And I am asserting this morning that many of these people are engaging in self-destructive behavior. I know that is a bold claim. Doctors experience this every day. I talk to some in our church who say that uh, they have patients who show up having gone to the trusted internet to self-diagnose. They tell the doctors what is wrong with them and also what medicine they are convinced they need to have good treatment. Am I trying to discourage you from praying? No. A thousand times no. Everything Paul says in these few verses about prayer is true. But he qualifies prayer in these verses with this statement. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit. The reason prayer can be so deceptive, so destructive, so misleading is that prayer can cause you to assume that your prayers are God's will when they are not. You can pray things that are never God's will, that are never his desire. And you say them over and over again to him enough times and you will start to believe what he never intended you to receive. This is why Paul says to pray in the Spirit. Everything we'll discover about prayer this morning assumes that, that you will pray in the Spirit. It was about three years ago that I came across a little book by Don Whitney called Praying the Bible. It's a small book, a quick read, and in it, Whitney just outlines how to pray Scripture. As I read that, I discovered a way of praying that I had not known before. And since then, almost every day, I begin my prayer time in the book of Psalms, praying a psalm. I can guarantee you that you will pray in the Spirit or be more likely to pray in the Spirit if you are praying the Word. If you pray God's words themselves, the danger of veering off into your own agenda, your own ideas, is greatly avoided. Last week we learned that the, the sword of the Spirit is that word of God. And so with that qualification that Paul says here, 
pray at all times in the Spirit. Let's look quickly at five principles for praying. Number one, pray always. Is there any time you should not pray? No. No, pray always in Every time, all the time, Paul says, pray always. I'll share a resource you'll receive as I've tried through this series to put some tools in your toolbox called Prayer of Intentions. This came to to me by way of the mentoring group I lead, and we invited three uh, seasoned pastors to come and join us, and Doug Haig who was uh, on staff as a discipleship pastor in Southern California for many years, brought this to us from his friend John Coe. I've used this since also almost every single day since then, and I found it to be so engaging and directive for me in prayer. I don't know about you, but it seems that when I sit down to pray in the morning, my mind concocts everything else I need to do that day, right then. I wonder and drift. I go from here to there. I I struggle to stay on task, and this helps. And there are four prayers in here. The first is a prayer of presenting oneself as a sacrifice. You could summarize that prayer with, I am here here I am. You say, what do you mean? Uh, To pray I am here owns the place, uh, the space you are in life. Whatever it may be, it may be a joyous day or may be a dreaded day. But when you say I am here, you're, you're there. You're saying, God, this is my lot in life today. I am here. Here am I. And I'll add, send me. So you find yourself, and you're honest with where you are, but you're saying, God, in the middle of it, send me out. Send me into situations for uh, others' good and for your glory. I've also discovered that this is a prayer to pray all day, that I will be sitting in a counseling session, or I am uh, in some place somewhere and something unexpected begins to happen, and when I'll do, I'll go, ah, God, I I am here, here am I, send me. A few weeks ago, I was up on uh, uh, the parkway to do my third quarter planning, and I just pulled off at that place at the Altapasa Orchard. It's amazing up there. And I pulled off, and there are these stands with information on them. I just adopted one as my desk. It has a little ledge. I put my things out on it, uh, and I'm just looking over the, this beautiful mountains. It's cool up there in the morning. I was up there quite early, and uh, I've got all my stuff spread out to plan the next three months of, of work and ministry. People are in and out while I'm doing it. I'm up there a few hours. People are in and out while I'm doing it. And then this car pulls up, and they did what no other car had done. They pulled up right behind me. 
There's loads of space, but this car comes in close, so close that that the car would have been where the stool is if I'm standing here. And so I'm sitting there working, and this car pulls up, and and they walk around. These two gentlemen, Chinese gentlemen, get out. They walk around, and then they walk over to me, and I lie you not. They peer over my shoulder and say, what are you doing? I turned to look at them, and I said, um, I'm planning the next quarter of work. What are you doing? They said, oh, we're, we're, we're touring the parkway. We've never been on the parkway before. We're students at Duke University. We're just out driving. Live in China, but over here temporarily. They told me what they studied, and immediately I thought, I am here. Here am I. So I engaged them in a spiritual conversation to which they both said, we're not religious. But one of them said, and I love this ministry. You never said what it is or who, who it is. He said, but, but someone at Duke is reading the Bible with me. We've started reading the Bible together. We're looking over this great vista. It's amazing. I said, isn't that beautiful? He said, it is. I said, who, who do you think made that? He said, oh, God. Like, I said, where have you been reading? Genesis. <laughs> yes, God made that. We exchanged emails. I emailed him this week just to see where he is. His name is Ben. I emailed Ben. Emailed both of them. Ben emailed me back, and he said, so funny to get your email. I was just in a meeting this morning. We are traveling for 38 straight days. We're going to see 19, I think he said, national parks in that period of time. And he said, I told my group about you today. Well, to be sure, I promised them when they were back in town, Wendy would cook for him. And so, so I think that's probably, he's got food on the brain. But at any rate, he said, we'll be back on the Blue Ridge Parkway. I said, Let me know. Let's get together. Pray always. Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Number two, pray about everything. The word supplication implies need. Pray about everything. What what does everything mean? I don't know why these things are embarrassing to admit, but for some reason they are. I lost my wallet this week. I would think by now I'd know how to keep up with it, and it just is frustrating. But I did. It was on a Saturday Saturday morning when I went to uh, get in the Jeep, the wallet uh, I did not have, and I'm I'm looking for it, and I go through the house looking in you. How you do? You go in your mind to where you last were when you used the card out of it. All of a sudden, I go to the computer to make check the card, you know, to make sure nobody else has used it because I thought it was in Ingalls buying gas in Black Mountain on Friday night. I call Ingalls. No, it's not there, and I'm like, well, maybe be crazy for it still to be sitting on the gas pump so I'll jump in the jeep I'll check I can't imagine anywhere else it would be and so I'll jump in the jeep and I'm headed up the mountain and it occurs to me God cares he does I said Lord and this was a whiny prayer <laughs> my God I have so much to 
do today? Not chase down a wallet. It was like that. I'm not lying. It was awful. And as I was praying, all of a sudden I went, whoa, no, 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 no. When I got home Friday evening, I mowed. I went and bought gas, and I put my wallet in the cup holder of the rotting lawnmower. It's been out in the shed all night. So I called Hannah back, and I said, Hannah, uh, I, I know where the wallet is. Are you outside? She said, I'm not, but I can be. I said, it's out in the shed. And her very next words were, I just prayed. That, that Does God care about those things? Of course he does. Pray about everything. We need the faith of a child and the faithfulness of a grown-up. We need the faith of a child and the faithfulness of a grown-up. A child that goes to God all day, every day, about everything that says, God, help me to do what it is. You, you'll discover on here a prayer of honesty in one of these four prayers that will help with this faith of a child and the faithfulness of a grown-up. Third, pray all the way through. Paul says to that end, keep alert. Uh, this is, after all, war, isn't it? He says, we're engaged in war. Don't fall asleep, he says, on the job. This phrase literally is where we get the phrase to watch sheep. Be an alert shepherd. Well, Jesus said there are two reasons we ought to stay alert. Number one, he says, pray all the way through because Jesus is coming back. Look at Luke 21, but watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake. Do you see that, that alertness at all times? Praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus says, pray, I am coming back. Pray all the way through. Number two, pray all the way through because sin is tempting. Sin is tempting. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation, Jesus said. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In the early service, we had so many more wearing shirts like you guys are wearing who had gone to Caswell to camp this week. A hundred almost went. A hundred, uh, almost a hundred students went down. You guys uh, who are here who went to Caswell have worshipped ten times in the last week. Ten times. Today is 11. Tonight will be 12. Talk about being buoyed up. If you had worshipped a dozen times in a week, how that would lift you up, how that would just take you and put you in a And if it didn't, you'd be in deep trouble, right? There'd be something wrong with you if that much worship didn't lift you. But the reality for all of those who have experienced that togetherness and that worship is that temptation is a real deal. Persevering takes diligent prayer. The emphasis is on the time required 
to persist. You may have to pray a long time for your wandering son. It may take a while. Will you keep praying? You may have to pray through an ongoing battle with an illness. Will you keep praying? You, you may have to pray through the fallout of an unwanted divorce. Will you keep it up? Charles Allen wrote several years ago, he was a noted Methodist pastor, I think ended his time in ministry in Houston He wrote, I've dreamed many a dreams that never came true. I've seen them vanish at dawn. But I've realized enough of my dreams, thank God, to make me want to dream on. I've prayed many a prayers when no answer came. I've waited patient and long. But answers have come to enough of my prayers to make me keep praying on. I've trusted many a friend who failed and left me to weep alone. But I've found enough of my friend's true blue to make me keep trusting on. I've so many seeds that fell by the way for the birds to feed upon. But I've held enough golden sheaves in my hand to make me keep sowing on. I've drained the cup of disappointment and pain. I've gone many days without song, but I've sipped enough nectar from the rose of life to make me want to live on. Pray all the way through. For pray for all the saints, Paul says. Uh, Who are saints? They are every person who has come to faith in Christ. They are saints not by their behavior. They are saints by their choice, by Christ, to be in his family. Recently, I attended an event that Harold Wilson, he was in our early service, hosted. Harold does this every year. He is a Vietnam vet, and he hosts an event for Vietnam vets who come from all over to be there. I've always felt undeserving to walk into that room with those men and women. It's a big barbecue. There are many good things Harold does. But one of the things I one of the things I've discovered in that room is remarkable camaraderie. They have each other's backs. So it should be with us. We we must have each other's backs. We must pray for one another. You may not know on Sundays at 8.50 a.m., folks gather in this room and walk up and down the aisles and in between the seats and they pray for you. Every person in this room, your row 
has been prayed for today. They pray for you. Finally, Paul says, pray for me too and also for me. Paul humbly asks for prayer for himself. What is, what is his prayer? Now, I haven't mentioned it today. We did earlier in this series. Paul's in prison. It's house arrest when he writes this. But Paul is under house arrest when he writes. He is chained to a Roman, prison, a Roman soldier. And what does he say? Pray that I'll be set free from these chains. No. Look at his prayer request. Pray that words may be given me, that words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly while I am chained to a Roman soldier in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul says, I want to proclaim the gospel, though I am chained to a Roman soldier under house arrest. In other words, Paul asks for prayer, for clarity and courage. John Stott says, clarity without courage is like sunshine in the desert. Plenty of light, but nothing worth looking at. Courage without clarity is like a beautiful landscape at nighttime. Plenty to see, but no light by which to enjoy it. Paul wanted both. Did God answer their prayers? Listen to what Paul writes, in, or what Luke writes about Paul in, in uh, Acts 28. Luke says, And when we, so Luke was with him, came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had nothing done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Paul is staring down the death penalty. And he says, Lord, give me boldness. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, their Jews, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you, but we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, Christianity, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Paul, what you're in chains for is under ill repute. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. Paul sitting there, Roman soldier chained to him. Jewish folks who now live in Rome, Claudius had expelled them uh, from their other places. They had left Ephesus, come across the sea. They, they're in Rome and they're there and 
they came from morning till evening. He expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced and others did not believe. Did God answer their prayer? Yes! They came, and when they came, they walked in, and Paul, chained to a Roman soldier, went to the book of Genesis and preached Jesus. That's the law. And Exodus and preached Jesus. And Leviticus and preached Jesus. And Deuteronomy and preached Jesus. And then he goes all the way over to Isaiah, to Ezekiel, and he said this Old Testament that you read declares Christ. And some believed the man in chains. Others did not. Did God answer their prayers? Same chapter, verse uh, 30 and 31. He lived there two whole years. Wow. That's quite a mission trip. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all, look at that, what's the word, boldness. The very thing he asked the Ephesians to pray for, God gave him. And without hindrance. He says, pray, pray for me that I will have courage and clarity to proclaim the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. We'll finish with this. Ambassadors did not wear chains attached to Roman soldiers. As a matter of fact, it would have been humiliating for a country to send anyone anywhere in such a place and shape. And if an ambassador had arrived somewhere and would have been treated in that way, that country, that sending country would have responded with sure and swift action. Yet Paul sits there chained to a Roman soldier. Now people wore chains in Paul's day. They wore them around their wrist and they wore them around their neck and they signified importance. You could look at someone's chain and know who they were and what they were about. Because Paul serves Christ crucified, he considers the painful iron prison chains as, most, as a most appropriate symbol for Jesus. He was an ambassador in chains. Some of you are too. You sit here this morning and you are an ambassador in the chains of a cancer diagnosis that is dire. And when you walk into chemo and they see your face and they hear your voice, they wonder, what's different? What's different? Others of you are an ambassador in the chains of an ongoing chronic illness, a battle with anxiety. 
another bout of depression. You faithfully serve the Lord with the clanging chains of circumstances. Others are an ambassador in the chains of an unwanted divorce. You never saw it coming, and you don't know if it will ever end. In my almost 19 years, years here at Grace, I've discovered that those people with chains seem to be heard the most. When they, with courage and clarity, declare the gospel chained to whatever it may be, people lean in and listen. They do. And for two years they did from Paul. There's one final prayer request. Did it get answered? 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17, Paul says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me but all deserted me. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that? May it not be charged against them. I love these next three words. But the who? The Lord. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Paul would ultimately die as a martyr, but not before. Person after person after person would march through that house of his Onesimus, the whole little letter of Philemon, would be one of them. He would encourage Timothy during this time. Jews and Gentiles alike would believe. Chained. Chained. We ought to wonder how many Roman soldiers as they changed guard, heard the gospel. Wow. Whatever your chain may be, as it weighs you down and will, as it makes this clanging sound at every movement and will. My prayer is that the gospel will be louder than the chain. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment?
we are the church, the family, Adrian said. So, well, we are the family of God. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I, I, have, I have a chain. Maybe I named it. Maybe I did not. But you know what it is. And you say, I, I so want to declare, I want courage and clarity while I wear my chain. I want you to pray for me. Would you just slip up your hand wherever you are? Yes, 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 yes. So many, yes, 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 thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, I have chains. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, thank you. Thanks for your honesty. I, I take this one step further. Not, nothing, no intimidation, nothing at all, just to give you an opportunity. If you're here and you say, I need prayer this morning for my chain. Like this morning, I, I need the strength of prayer. That's where you are. Would you stand right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stay standing if you will. Just stay where you are. All right. This is a chance for the church to be the church. Would everybody look at me now? You see people standing around you who want, need prayer. Go to them right now and pray. No one is left without prayer. So find somebody around you. This is all our staff, life group leaders, anyone. You go and be the church right now to somebody near you. Surround them in prayer. Uh, pray for them and with them.